welcome to the Mindwaves podcast. I'm your host, Rosie, and in each episode I'll be sharing positive news, stories and information about mental health in Greater Glasgow and Clyde. Winter in Scotland can last from November to March, and I think a lot of us have noticed that the changing seasons can affect our mental health, for good and not so good. Every season has its ups and downs, and my guests today are kindly speaking about their personal experiences with the winter months and how they handle that particular roller coaster. We will be hearing from Daryl MacDonald and Jordan Sartor Francis. After the interviews, we have Angela McCrimmon reading her poem about the mixed emotions of entering a new year. My name's Daryl. Uh, I'm a uh, person-centred therapist from Glasgow, um, and I've always been interested in mental health uh, from quite a young age, but I didn't start getting involved in it until I was sort of my mid-twenties. Uh, I'm also sort of an avowed uh, winter hater, or have been through portions of my life, um, and I'm kind of someone who learned an awful lot about how to to cope with certain kind of rigours of dealing with this, this time of year, um, and it's certainly something that I help other people with as well. I think that's not an uncommon thing for people to struggle during this time of year, which which I suppose is the, the purpose of our conversation. Do you feel that winter has uh, an effect on you personally? Winter's affected me personally um, in different ways throughout kind of different periods of my life. Um, you know, when I was young, when I was a kid, uh, it was really exciting because it's Christmas, it's kind of festive, there's all this kind of stuff going on, and I would look forward to to seeing family members and presents and all those sorts of things. And then I reached about you know kind of teenage years, and it started to kind of lose its kind of magic. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said that you know Christmas is amazing when you're a kid, and then you lose it. And then you get it back again when you have children yourself, you sort of live it through them. But there's this period in between where it doesn't mean as much to you. Um, and I think that's really what happened what, with me when I was kind of about a teenager. Um, it really started to lose that magic. My family were all having Christmases separately from each other, but their own families, the kind of structure that I had at that age when I was younger disappeared. And I was a bit more sort of... Um, untethered I suppose from that experience of, of Christmas and without that winter changed completely for me um, and then in my late teens I, I started working a host of jobs in the hospitality industry bars nightclubs restaurants and anyone who's ever done that will tell you uh, it's a really difficult time of year if you work in a bar or restaurant because it's constantly busy you're working non-stop it's it's very very stressful so for a long long time I just I did not did not like it at all I was I'm really kind of dark place with it I think and I just dreaded that time of year every year and if I had to remember when I was like 14 15 at the time when I was doing this sort of thing I wrote a poem about how much I hated winter which I remember I think it's called winter's curse it's gotten better since I've been in my late 20s early 30s um because you know stability sort of helped with that and the work I've been doing with mental health, both on myself and with other people, has taught me a lot about how to, to deal with the kind of emotions and the feelings that come up from this time of year and how to uh, adapt to it. So winter's really had different effects on me throughout different periods of my life. Where you are right now, are there aspects of winter that you enjoy and are there aspects uh, that you don't enjoy so much? So I, I still don't enjoy the, the sort of getting dark really early. Uh, that's something that I, I struggle with. And it's funny, I think now that 
you know, when I was younger, I didn't notice it as much. It was just sort of something that was always there. My mood would change depending on how the weather would work. And I remember when I was 13, I moved to Spain with my mum. At night in Spain, winter, summer, doesn't really matter, it doesn't get as dark as it does here. Um, it's actually quite light, even at night. And I remember noticing that and being sort of awed by it. Like, oh, wow, this is this is really nice. Like, in winter, people were still going out at night and, and kind of spending time outdoors because it's not as dark and it's not as cold and it's not as, you know, claustrophobic as it is here. And... Um, as I said earlier, that probably has an effect on, you know, when I moved back and I was in my mid-teens at that point and winter had a certain difference because I'd come from that aspect of this. So I realised how much I disliked the, the kind of deep cold um, and the, the darkness and how everyone sort of just huddled in their houses and things like that. I've never really liked that because it's sort of anathema to me. I love winter where you're you're out and you're on adventures and you're going all over the world and that's that's what I love so much and uh, winter is pretty much the exact opposite of that so I've always disliked that the sad labs and things like that are really popular because so many people experience that this time of year and they are trying to recreate the you know the idea of kind of bright light um, and I remember reading this really interesting article about um, alcoholism in north like uh, Scandinavian countries is very high um particularly at the time of year where um, it gets darker earlier because citizens over there struggle to cope with that. For me, it feels like the days pass so quickly. I, I remember going to work um, and when I worked in um, a bar, it was like under underground. So I would get into work and it was it was dark. And when I would get out to go home, it was still dark. And I some days I just wouldn't see light really. And I think a lot of people have similar situations uh, and it's it can be very, very depressing. Um, and certainly a lot of people I've experienced and I've met, they have told me the same thing, that they can't handle that kind of darkness and they look for something to to replace that or to kind of simulate the light that they're they're missing, which is where those sad lights come in. They are, they're very effective. Sometimes you can get into a bit of a confirmation bias of only noticing the things that bring you down. It can pay to exercise mindfulness and go, oh, I'm enjoying this right now. You're completely right about confirmation bias. Uh, certainly it was something I experienced when I was a teenager where I, I almost sort of wanted to be in a bad mood in the sense that I would just sort of almost embrace that bad mood and not really look for good things. And when you do, when you become more mindful and when you try hard, you can find things that you enjoy. Um, so I remember when I, when I, I worked in a call centre when I was in my early 20s, and it was during kind of uh, winter period, I remember, and I really, really uh, did not like where I was working. Call centres are not great places to work. And for the first time during my lunch break, I thought, I don't want to go down to the canteen and sit there with a sandwich and just on my own, just be down. Uh, so there was a coffee shop just kind of across the road from the call centre. I'm going to go there. And I'd never really been before. And I remember I went over there. Um, and I got a coffee and a muffin or something, and I just sat there. And it took me a couple of minutes, actually, it did. But I started to realise that I was feeling good. And I'm sitting there like, hmm, this is strange. Like, I feel a bit lighter now. I feel better. Okay, what is this? What kind of alchemy has made this happen? And I had to sit and think about it, like, okay, why is it? And it was the lighting. It was the music. It was just sitting there with a nice warm cup of coffee. I was cosy. 
you know, there was conversations happening around me that I was just picking up little bits of chatter that just reminded me of sort of people just going around about their day and enjoying their lives. And I think that was the first time I said, I thought, I really like sitting in coffee shops. And I do it in the summer, but strangely in the winter, it's so much better. I just, I love that coziness aspect of it. And so I took that a little bit further and I thought, okay, how can I replicate that feeling? elsewhere right take this coziness that I feel in one aspect I love of winter which is you know huddling next to a fire and having a good book and a cup of coffee and nice lighting how do I do that okay I can do that at home so you know me and my partner now sometimes I'll put on like an ASMR on YouTube uh, and it's like a crackling fireplace or a coffee shop and we'll have kind of low lights and we'll just sit there and read our books for the evening um, and I love that so much that's that's a perfect evening for me. And it means more in the winter than it does in the summer, um, which is just a lovely thing to, to be able to appreciate. So it's been an, almost something of a lifesaver for me in the last few years has been such an incredible source of comfort for me. Incredibly wholesome. <laughs> I love it so much. But I know I definitely know what you mean about um, recreating or, or at least carrying something with you in the rest of your the rest of your way of being one of the features of winter is there are a lot of festivals in across religions uh and that is it can be wonderful it can be a really wonderful time for people but it can also uh depending on the place you are in your life that can be a difficult time so do what what do you think about uh, the impact that festivals can have on people, both for, for good and maybe for, for uh, not, not so great? I think it depends on where you are in your life. Um, you know, per- speaking from personal experience, festivals were great when I was a kid and we would go places with, you know, our families and do things. And I loved that as a kid. And, you know, over here we have uh, in Glasgow, the Iron Brew Carnival, which is like every every winter there's all these big rides and all that kind of stuff. And we used to always go there like every every winter. I always look forward to it um, and haven't been back there in a long, long, long time. Um, so if you if you have a kind of strong family connection and you have something that feeds into that, it's better and it, it works better. If you are, let's say, more alone or you don't have those kind of connections, it can be really hard to avoid these things because it's sort of in your face all the time. I feel like um, if you are trying to ignore the fact that maybe you feel a bit alone or don't have family or friends as much around you, it can be very incongruent to feel that way and then see everyone around you celebrating being together and celebrating being happy. And, you know, you hear all these Christmas songs talking about love and talking about family and the importance of being together. It sort of really hammers at home this time of year that's, all about everyone being together and and celebrating, appreciating each other, Um, which is great if you're in a position to do that. If you're not, I think it would only increase, I don't think I know, it only increases the isolation, the feeling like, okay, maybe I'm different or I'm I'm other somehow because I'm not part of this experience. I do think sometimes about the young kid I was who, um, was very sort of alienated from all those experiences and who was actually quite bitter about them, if I'm honest, because you know, all these people are having fun and I'm not having fun. I felt a bit like a Grinch. But really, and again, if you watch The Grinch, it's the same story. It's the person who is angry at everyone else because he can't share in that love. And of course, the story at the end of The Grinch is that 
he was accepted into this sort of community and he felt that sort of love and he, he changed and I feel like that's kind of part of what people struggle with is when they feel alone it's almost like everyone's throwing it in their face that you know they don't have someone so it can be really really tough and I've certainly worked with people who you know this time of year um, specifically who've got difficult family lives or who've lost loved ones this time of year everywhere you go it's a constant reminder of how you feel and like any other time of year if you feel a certain way a lot of the clients I work with they're very good at avoiding their feelings they've kind of built up this um, defense mechanism a way to um sidestep those feelings or box them in and that's easy to do if it's not all around you but at that time of year everything you see is a trigger and it brings it all back out and suddenly people are sort of swamped with emotions that they wouldn't have had otherwise um because of that so they can be a really mixed bag i'd love to see more festivals and things like that which really encourage people who don't know each other to come together and, and um you know find a way to to meet new people and create new communities I think that'd be an amazing thing how would you advise people to approach their emotions not just in the winter but at, at, at all times in the work that I do um, I am all about helping people embrace their emotions creating a safe space for someone to really explore how they feel the majority of people I work with um, the negative emotions that they have are not convenient to them understandably if you feel down or if you feel bad um, I remember once when I was when I first started doing bar work and I was in a really bad place um I my boss noticed that I was very down and he called me into the office and sat me down and said what's wrong I was like I'm just I'm just struggling this isn't kind of what I wanted to be in my life um and I was kind of hoping for more at this age and I'll never forget what he said he said I expect you to leave your problems at the door when you come in here and I think a lot of people have that experience on a day-to-day basis where their emotions aren't um acceptable to others or people don't want to deal with your burdens uh, I've had clients who they, they deal with so much and I'll say well you've got such and such friend you told me about why don't you talk to them and they say I don't want to bother them with these things or I don't want to bother my parents I don't want to that happens so so much people who think their emotions are a burden and that their relationships with other people are conditional upon not sharing how they feel and my job is to help them connect with how they feel because sometimes if you spend a long, long time distancing yourself from your emotions, you'll find that you've, you've cut off so much, it's so hard to connect to that again. And a lot of times you don't really know who you are because your emotions are sort of, you know, signposts. They, they sort of guide how you move through the world and who you are as a person. If you get physically injured, you know, and you're, you're, you cut your arm or something, you're bleeding, you're not going to say, well, I'm just going to ignore that because it's not really convenient for me right now to... To deal with this so i'm just going to let that you know bleed and whatever you would do something about it mental health works the same way if you have a certain feeling or an emotion about something it's best to listen to it figure out why you feel the way you feel what's wrong with this moment you know that's where mindfulness comes in start with the body start with what does my body feel how is my body reacting what emotions are leading this and kind of following that by doing that you learn more about who you are what you like and what you don't like and as far as winter is concerned i would certainly say that to people like if you you, you can't escape it i'm a big fan of like uh, like uh, crime books and gangster and you know movies and all that kind of stuff so what i'm about to say kind of comes from that but there's a saying that um 
if you find yourself in a situation where like someone's attacked you, if they have a knife, you you run. If they have away from them, but if they have a gun, you run towards them because you can't outrun a gun. And for me, at least, winter has a gun. The idea is that you have to run towards it and embrace it and say, okay, I cannot escape this moment. It's not going to happen. How do I make this work for me? How do I take away the the sort of sting of it and make it work in my favor? And for me, I found to do that is by embracing the emotions of it, saying, okay, it's okay to feel sad and upset. That's fine. That that's normal. You know, we're going to be happy and we're going to be sad. That's that's the human experience. To to accept that you feel that way and to be able to sit with yourself and acknowledge how you feel and then find a way to kind of subvert that so for me as I said feeling really down about um, darkness happening so quickly at four o'clock in the day and then saying okay well actually that means that I can put on an ASMR and make it cozy quite quickly uh, as opposed to having to wait until 11 o'clock at night to do something like that that's fine I can I can turn this to my advantage and accept the fact that yeah I do feel sad but I can make something of it that would make me happy after. So that's really what I would encourage people to do is listen to your feelings, listen to your body, listen to how you're reacting to things. Be more in touch with yourself, use a lot of mindfulness. And when it tells you something, heed that and move in that direction. I feel like we spend a lot of our lives trying to ignore our bodies um because it's it's what you're trained to do and it's sometimes sometimes you like you said you can think it's not convenient but this actually really reminds me of uh, i don't know if you've if you've seen or read uh, the snow queen uh, the fairy tale oh the original yeah hans christian Anderson. Yeah. okay no i haven't actually no it, the reason i bring it up is because i recently had a little uh, you know it's winter you crack out some <laughs> wintry things um and all the stuff you were saying suddenly in my head went, bam, 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 bam. It fits so many plot points. Now I'm thinking that book is just a big metaphor for handling your emotions in winter. There are two children in the story, a boy and a girl. And the boy gets a piece of a mirror stuck in his eye. That was It's all very complicated, but it means that he can only see the bad things. He can't enjoy anything anymore. And he also can't feel properly because he got another piece in his heart. And I'm just thinking, that's classic. You're focusing on the bad stuff and you are not letting yourself feel anything emotionally. And at the, and by the end of the story, his friend comes to rescue him and he's stuck in this cold, frosty palace, hyper fixating and not, not engaging with anything around him. And she lets herself cry and she is emotionally honest with herself. Her tears melt the mirror shard in his eye and in his heart, and he starts to feel, and he cries. And then it's when he is able to embrace his emotions again, he comes back to himself, he becomes himself again. That was a, a writer from a previous generation writing about the process he had to go through. That's just, I, it blew my mind just there. <laughs> That's, and it's so true. Um, I think even with the ancient Greeks, they've talked a lot about certain things that we use today in you know, psychology and, 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 and mental health. A lot of these civilizations understood to some extent how this works, that you can, you can change your perspective, you can you know, work on yourself. And I, don't, I feel like we've lost that somewhere along the way, especially where I'm based in the west of Scotland. Um, people don't really tend to talk about their feelings. It kind of, I've had this idea that since like the Industrial Revolution, there's this idea of going to work, putting the effort in and 
you have to sort of ignore how you feel emotionally in order to be able to physically do the things you have to do. And I think that's had so much of a kind of damaging effect on our society. Um, the thing people like me and colleagues of mine now are trying to work against, where we're trying to teach people, actually, it's okay and in fact a good thing if you are able to fully embrace your emotions and accept that maybe this is something that you're going to struggle with because mm-hmm. it's not, we're not perfect, we're not invincible. These things are always going to happen. But I do think we're making strides. I think there's there has been actual movement. I'm gratified that I see so many people on Twitter now talking about mental health and saying things like, I don't feel like I, I don't enjoy this or I don't like this. and Not in a negative way, but in a owning it way and saying, okay, this is not something that kind of works for me. I have to kind of find something that's better for me in my mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 10 years ago, I was never seeing conversations like that. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm seeing them a lot more now. So it gives me a bit of hope for the future that mm-hmm. we're going in the right direction, hopefully, anyway. If you could recommend to uh, the listeners one thing they could do for themselves this winter, what would that be? Listening to yourself is the first thing. I think that people will always be able to find things to enjoy this time of year. Mm. I think for someone, there's there's always something. Mm. I, you know, actually, no. If I was going to say one thing, I would say go easy on yourself. I, mean, I think a lot of people kind of beat themselves up this time of year, and there's an expectation that you have to be happy or cheerful, and that's not the case at all. I think accept the fact that maybe you're just not going to feel that and own that and be okay with it and if you just let yourself just go easy on yourself and accept that and maybe you can come around to something else you know Mm -hmm. certainly for me I had to I had to accept that I was feeling bad before I got better you know you can't heal something if you don't acknowledge that it's broken Mm -hmm. um so yeah my one thing I would say to people for this this year is just go easy on yourself and accept it Maybe it's not going to be everything that you want it to be. And it doesn't have to be. That's fine. My name is Jordan Sarter Francis, uh, a native of Atlanta, Georgia, here in the United States. Currently live in New York City uh, with my wife, and we are expecting our first child. We're having a little boy. Noah Timothy Sarter Francis is due in May. So that's been, yeah, it's been the big news. Other than that, I am a champion of mental health. I was diagnosed a few months, uh, about a year ago with borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So that's been something I've been championing, championing, being a champion of as of (laughs) lately. Uh, Also professionally, I'm a professional actor. You have a podcast of your own that talks about mental health. Uh, Would you mind telling us uh, a little about why you uh, decided to use that medium? Absolutely. I went on a rant about mental health uh, coming home. And my wife said, you should start a podcast. So I went out and I bought this fancy microphone and I got the headphones and I I looked the real deal of a podcaster, professional podcaster, except I didn't know what to talk about. So I tried one on sports and I tried one on relationships and this and that. And then one day I I really just needed a therapy session for myself. So I recorded a one-man podcast and I entitled it, Sometimes I Get Sad, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Music. Let me plug that. So it's called Sometimes I Get Set. And I was really just inspired by my wife to talk about my struggles and uh, I guess to give people a safe listening space and to be vulnerable. And it was really something I did for me. And if it helps other people, I I pray it does. And the subject that you are particularly passionate about is mental health in careers. 
Uh, would you mind elaborating on that a little bit? I was a naval officer, naval supply officer, lieutenant junior grade in the United States Navy. And unfortunately, my mental health got the better of me. And I was given an honorable discharge, which basically says, you know, you served as best you could, but we don't think the doctors in the Navy just don't think you are cut out for this very ambitious and rigid and dangerous and something that requires a great emotional health and and, and the Navy did a great job taking care of me while I was in the military um, and definitely while I got out. And it just led me to believe that, you know what, what are some careers that are safe spaces? Where can people with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or borderline personality disorder or PTSD, which is a big one for a lot of veterans who come home, you know, I'm sure that way in the, the military of the UK, you know, veterans come home and we are damaged. We are damaged goods, but we still want to be pilots, which you can't fly if you're taking medication or have a PTSD, even for the civilian side, or we want to be teachers. And sometimes working with adolescents, adolescents day in and day out may not be the best thing for your mental health. So really just trying to find careers and, and, and begin to have open dialogue as, okay, if someone with a certain mental disorder comes into a career, what are the benefits? What are the benefits to having people? And I don't like to consider, I like to consider my borderline personality disorder as my super superpower. It gives me a great intuition uh, into my emotions. Uh, I feel like I can go deeper emotionally into things. And which is why I became a writer, which is why I became an actor. It, you know, it definitely helps me in that arena. Wonderful. Thank you for elaborating. Do you think that winter has an effect on you personally? Winter has the biggest effect on me personally, and I would describe it as this. When you look at like great television shows, so let me bring up some television shows uh, that are popular where the podcast is based, Game of Thrones, uh, and you even look at the, uh, the, the latest episodes of The Crown. These are shows with phenomenal backdrops, just phenomenal settings that just really serve the story. And when you wake up and it's dark outside and then you go to work and it's dark and you come home and it's dark and you go to bed and it's dark and you really miss out on sunlight, um, it throws off the Acadian rhythm. Just it is the perfect movie backdrop to depression, uh, to to sadness. What I just consider the most hellish months of the year, I would rather just suffer through. 100 degree Fahrenheit summers in New York, which is very, very hot than the the winters here and what it does to my mental health. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, that the increased hours of darkness has an effect on you personally, but also on uh, your friends and family? I think it affects everyone, no matter if you are diagnosed with a mental disorder or not. I think it's, it, it is natural. You see it in the faces. Um, when I was in college, we called it the dark ages. And it was that stretch when you came back from Christmas break. So like January 3rd, January 4th, and up until spring break, which is uh, April, March, April. And of course, not everyone at the United States Naval Academy has a, uh, a mental disorder. Uh, it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. But you could just see it in people's faces and as, as and especially my teammates, you know, it's different when it's outdoor track and we're, we get to go outside and, and, and compete and run outdoors. But when you're coming in and it's, it's dark outside and we're about to start practice in the dark mm -hmm. uh, in, inside, you can just see the, the, the energy shift that affects. I think the biggest thing is I want to tell people to be kind to yourselves because this affects everyone. 
not just those who were clinically depressed. No, it, it affects everyone. Do you think in a similar way that uh, that darkness has a noticeable effect uh, on our moods, do you think that the holidays bring up particular emotions for you? For me personally, the holidays, I think the beginnings, even back in high school, I think over the holidays, I, I remember is like when my mental health started to decline. It was the period between Thanksgiving um, up until the Christmas holiday. And for every holiday since I have been haunted over the holidays. I, and I, I tell my wife, the holidays are the least favorite time of my year. If someone's significant other passed away on a Christmas, it is hard to escape that trauma every single Christmas, which is kind of what I go through. I think my borderline personality disorder started to manifest itself over a holiday break. And even though it's gotten so much better, even though I've worked extremely hard to, to minimize the, the negative side effects of, of BPD, the holidays is always like that bittersweet anniversary of when I first noticed the struggles of mental health. I guess to everyone who may have been heartbroken over one Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's, like you're not alone. You're not alone and feeling like the Grinch um, <laughs> and feeling like this mythical character who just hates the holidays and wants to rain on other people's parade. You're, you're not alone. And it goes back to a brilliant thing you just said is that you should not should feel happy. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Like you shouldn't, we have to be very careful with the, the should word. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it is another bad word that begins with an <laughs> SH, uh, but <laughs> one, let's be honest, the holidays is capitalism central. And if you're sad over the holidays, it's, it's okay. And I'm a big proponent of sometimes I get sad, which is the name of my podcast, but I should have named it. And maybe I'll go back and rename my own podcast at this point. Sometimes it's okay to be sad. And sometimes it's okay to be sad today, yesterday, tomorrow. There's, there's never a perfect time to be sad, but there's never an imperfect time to be sad. And if the holidays are your time to be sad, it's, it's your time. Mm -hmm. Because here's the, the, the big secret. Everyone on earth gets sad. It's like over 7 billion people. So it's, you know, we have 7 billion brothers and sisters around the world. And regardless of race and ethnicity and religious belief or political, everyone gets sad like you you their their number is coming and if your number is called over the holidays it's okay that is incredibly important that especially because holidays are emotionally charged and so emotions you have no control over what emotions are going to be charged by that when you have very potent uh emotions when you're young and you might develop some key points there but you know that you're going to hit sometimes when things are difficult whether that's when you're a teenager whether that even if, if you're younger a lot some people go through very difficult times when they're a child there's not a set uh, of circumstances that now you have experienced difficulty you are allowed to be sad it's no 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 it's whatever the situation was that was too much for your system to handle in that moment all of that is valid. There is no one way of saying you are you are now allowed to be upset. It's whatever it was, it could be anything, and mm -hmm. body will remember it. Somebody, a very wise friend of mine, quoted uh, something she'd read, which said, "The body keeps a score." 
the body remembers the annual clock uh, as a way of trying to keep you safe. Oh, winter, this is when something went down. This is when something was not not so great. Maybe I have to be ready for that to happen again. And it's the right thing to do to let yourself experience those emotions, hopefully in a safe place, in a place where you feel held uh, and secure and to let your body communicate with you. The body remembers it, it, it's the parable, you know, your, your parents are going to let you touch the hot stove just one time because they know that is the greatest, the body remembers pain. That is the greatest, you, you know, you fall from a tree and it probably will be the last time you climb a tree. The body remembers pain. Mm. And if that is the natural instinct for our bodies to remember pain, we can't be upset when we are in a situation or in a setting um, where a body, like where our bodies remember it. And I know we talk about mental health, but your mental is just as part as much as your physical. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get the same effect. It is the exact same effect. And the sec second thing I wanted to say, I agree with you was, I think you, you talked about this concept of time where your body can't remember time. And just as much as time as a setting, your body can't remember place, um, as well. And I know a lot of people, I met a lot of people in college who, didn't go back home to visit ever because it just the place as much as a time had just as much of a, a negative effect on their mental health. You have to be kind with yourself of your traumas of where they happened as well. And I think where you spend Christmas and where you spend the holidays and where you spend the winter can have, you know, just as much of a, a, a negative effect. Um, Cause I know people who just completely redecorate their houses over the holiday it's like over the and it makes sense because it, it is as much as it is the, the the winter months it is also the 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 place it can even just be an area you go into a city where something happened good or bad you go into a house or you could maybe you'll even see something that looks a bit like that and your brain is so good at association it takes you back to that space and place and time and you're in there and, and so, yeah, you're, I, I completely agree with you. You're going traveling for Christmas. It's a bit, it's a bit of a cliche, but that's because that's what everybody does now. We, we've all branched out, we've spread out. And so we return to one place or another to celebrate, uh, be it for whatever festival you set, whatever winter festival you celebrate. Going back to a place, even if you had happy times there, there might be something that brings a lot of bad memories up. And like you said, completely fine and and maybe that is a little signal from your body okay I can remember this and I might need to go away and work through this with someone I might need to say to uh, whoever your your mental health support system is say oh I noticed this thing my body let me know this I think I need to unpack it a bit Absolutely. And, and my wife is well aware, just to expound on that point, like that the holidays are a very tough time for me. New Year's is the greatest day of my life because once New Year's is over, the holidays are over. It's no more Ooh. celebrating. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I don't have to do this for another year. I want to enjoy the holidays. I, I think that's one thing, um, um, especially with having a child on the way, you really want to like provide them. You don't want the holidays to mean to them what it means to you. There was an end date to a bad holiday. The the holidays from here on out don't have to feel as bad because they truly aren't as bad. What would you say 
to somebody who struggles at this time of year? What would be, what, what would you say to them if they came to you for advice? I'm not going to say suck it up because telling one, telling oneself or telling someone to suck it up is, is, is when you equate mental health with physical health as well. If you clearly see someone has a broken leg, I don't think you tell them to suck it up. Um, if you see someone who's suffering from a various form of cancer and they're going through chemotherapy, I think the last thing you're going to say for practical and polite reasons, you're not going to say suck it up. So I think we're going to apply the same thing to mental health. You're not going to, I don't want anyone who is struggling this holiday season or any season of the year because it applies 365 days a year. You know, when you're struggling with mental health, you can't take this. I, I, and I used to do it. I used to just want to just suck it up. Like, okay, I'm sad. I'm going to suck it up. And I'm going to go force myself to do this workout because 10 times out of 10, you're going to end up feeling the same, if not worse. Mm. So I always say you owe yourself kindness. You, you owe yourself a hug, a pat on the back. I think the first thing with owing yourself kindness is you owe yourself a recovery. And I would define recovery as, you know, what concrete steps are we taking to get better? So let's just say sometimes I get sad. It is a random Tuesday. It is dark outside. It's the winter. It's snowing. And I feel sad. Okay, what do I owe myself? I owe myself kindness. And in owing myself kindness, I owe myself uh, a recovery. How do I recover in this moment? We can meditate. My wife loves to color um, in her coloring books. Um, I burn sage for meditation. Mm -hmm. So we all have our, our recovery, our practical steps to get better um, are all necessary, but it's all about owning yourself kindness. It's amazing how much like natural things we deprive ourselves of in like everyday life. And then like when we really, really need it to feel better, they're the solution. So they're the, the sad lamp, which represents sunlight. There's also like my burning sage, which gives a very woody, uh, smoky aroma, which definitely smells very outside. So it, it brings you more pre present. And I know a lot of people say what makes them feel better um, and it's very hard to do this in a winter month. So please don't frostbite your feet trying to do this, but it's called grounding. And people say that we don't spend enough time barefoot in grass and dirt and sand and clay and that when you're connected via your feet to the bare earth, it, it not cement or sidewalk, but to grass or dirt or mud when you're very well connected, what that actually does for the body. New Year resolutions. People making plans. They asked me what mine are, but they wouldn't understand. Looking to the future is such a luxury to me. I take one day at a time, and that's how it has to be. Of course I have ambition. I have my hopes and dreams. But when you have a mental illness, they can often go downstream. But just like a river, there are twists and there are turns, and the water keeps on running, and I feel my strength return. I'm not looking for your pity, and I don't pin any blame. My life's not what I expected, but I'm happy all the same. I find pleasure in such simple things that others might not see. Gratitude is essential, and I'm thankful to be me. I don't plan lavish holidays, for I cannot guarantee that when they come around, I'll be ready and carefree. Many trips have been abandoned, 
and flights I've let slip by. It was a very expensive lesson that my money had to buy. So what are my resolutions for the year 2022? To be more present in the moment, making memories with you. To find balance in myself, in my world and in my day. To pause before jumping into things that come my way. I resolve to take good care of every part of me. To show myself more kindness, reminding me to be patient with myself and self-forgiving too. I resolve to love myself in 2022. Many thanks to all of our guests. Where can people go if they want to hear more from you? I'm a member of the um, BACP, the uh, British Association for um, Counselling Psychotherapists. Mm-hmm. And I'm on that website there. I am on Counselling Directory and Psychology Today. Uh, I try and make myself available to as many people as possible to to help as many people as I can. Um, so I'm always encouraging people to reach out and, and see mm-hmm. if I can help them in some way. Uh, my email is my last name, S-A-R-T-O-R. F-R-A-N-C-I-S, Sartor Francis at gmail.com. Um, and you can probably find my last name um, in the credits to the podcast. So it's just my last name, no hyphenation, Sartor Francis at gmail.com. My podcast streams on Spotify and Apple, and you can find it at Sometimes I Feel Sad. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to appear in the podcast, or if you need assistance with your podcast, then get in touch by email, podcasts at mindwavesnews.com.